Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yo, welcome back, fellow internet people, to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And in today's episode, we've got a bunch of quick hit EV stories, electric car stuff, our first thoughts on the Steam Deck. Also on TikTok, now allowing 10-minute videos. We wanted to talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, the fact that in 2022, we still don't have an Instagram iPad app. But first, Tesla's plaid badges. It seems like new Teslas are rolling out now with new headlights and taillights, right? The new plaids. Sorry. Yeah, little. uh, I think it's all new Model S's and probably also Model X's. Got a little bit of a refresh. Yeah. The refresh is new headlights and taillights. And then the plaid ones it seems, are also getting a new badge. Yeah, and kind funny. of like the Reddit thread about the headlights and taillights very quickly devolved into a giant conversation about how, because if we all remember the plaid badges, um, the one that specifically looked like from Spaceballs, the plaid like moving in light speed, right. were only for the first 25 cars. Right, so if anybody bought a Model S or Model X plaid and actually had it delivered, the badge on the back just said plaid in text. It was just a mm-hmm. silver P-L-A-I-D text. But there is, yes, the special edition, first 25, including mine somehow. So maybe 26, I don't yeah, know. Maybe. But there's a bunch of, a small number of them that had this visual version of the plaid badge, which was like the space balls thing. Um, looks like they're going to just be doing that for all of them now, although it is a little bit different. Yeah. And so if you get real close to the back of the car, you could probably visually be able to tell. Actually, you can just look at the taillights, but you can tell which one's mm-hmm. which. So now I guess my car being one of the ones with the old headlights and taillights, but with the plaid Spaceballs badge is a special unicorn. Yours is a unicorn in that sense. But I also want to talk about how this new badge at first glance looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But when you compare it to yours, they're actually really, really different. Yeah, the the, the old one's better. Way to be better. clear, way, way, to way, be clear. way better. Yeah. So the old ones, it's got, uh, it's more of like this three D like chamfered look. It's it's, I mean, there's a texture to it, and you can yeah. see the depth off the back of the and car. And it's got like physical pieces that are missing in it because plaid has you know lines that are crossing together, so you wind up having squares that see through it. So depending on what color of the car you have, that might be coming through the back of it as well. And it just looks amazing. This new one looks like if Etsy was making a refrigerator magnet of 
the plaid. It's funny. Badge. There, there were actually people making uh, secondhand. Like you could buy, you really? could get one of these from Etsy. Like you could get a secondhand version, and even those look better than this because those were say, also like oh yeah, here they see are. through with body color showing through and like chrome and yeah. And these? this sounds like such a small thing, but in like McLaren land and Porsche land, where like every single little thing is an option. I learned, I was going through, you can look at Porsche's configurator and literally you can configure like the tiniest, like obviously the, the back of the, the side view mirrors. Do you want that to be body color or black or carbon fiber? Do you want your taillights to be clear or red? Do you want the bar to be clear? Do you want the text inside of the taillight bar to be Mm -hmm. black or body color or, or white? Like you can do every little thing and customize it to be exactly the spec you'd want. Teslas don't really have options like that. It's like, which outside color do you want? Which inside color do you want? FSD or nah, mm-hmm. ship it. So this uh, this is just like everyone who gets a Plaid gets this one, and that's just the way it is now. Yeah. it's. Would you rather have the new Plaid badge or just say Plaid? Uh, I would still, I like the badge. I think the badge is cool because it's okay. still like a, it's funny. Everyone always looks at this like special performance level and says, "Oh, the, the car's got to look special to match its performance level." And there was something so understated about you not knowing that this was the fastest sedan in the world until you get real close to it and see that it says Plaid instead of Long Range, right. and you're like, "Oh, it's that one." But yeah, this I think this badge is a little something special because yeah, you need a little something special. I think this. I would pick this badge if the car was black. If it was not black. I think it would really annoy me because like the edges of the rectangle are black. It would look like you put it a, would, a magnet on yeah, the Yeah, it would car. look really bad on, yeah. I think, a different color, unfortunately. Um, all right, next up, Rivian R1T, a truck that we have mentioned on this podcast oh, yeah. so many times for so many reasons, mostly because we really, I really like it. I think you really like it as well. We had a ton of fun driving it. We've seen some stuff in the news recently where... Uh, cars were getting delayed. We were even wondering kind of how much they were really shipping. We saw that some of them were going out, but that a lot of people who ordered the 400-mile version got delayed till 2023, which is now already like on top of a delay. I knew that was going to happen. We all kind of saw that coming. Yeah. Um, Now the issue kind of arises in a bunch of people earlier this week who were reservation holders got emails about a price increase. And it's not just a little price increase. Mm -hmm. It's Quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple tweets here from Quinn, from John Rettinger, Zach's Jerry Rick, everything. Um, they, I think Quinn's was like 15,000 extra. John's was 10,000 extra. Zach's was 10,000 extra. Like, So they all had R1T orders in. Yep. And all of them got some sort of a notification that their price uh, would be going up and that they would not honor the previous price that yep. they thought they were going to get the truck at. So mm-hmm. if you ordered it at 80. 3000 or whatever, and you got the email saying, mm, this truck is actually now $95,000. I think all of them are now uh, over 100 Yeah. Then All of those people that I just talked about. Oh, all not of every those? single person. Sorry. Right. sorry. Yeah. So now, yeah, I think Zach's point, you know, in his tweet, he says he would have talked about it a little bit differently if it was a $100,000 yeah. plus dollar truck versus mm-hmm. like an $88,000 truck. That, that difference does mean a lot, especially in people's minds. Um, and when you're not getting anything extra from it, like right. you're not... They're not saying like, oh, we're adding a bunch of stuff that we're just doing to the baseline ones um, if you want or, you know, we're creating this new model and we're going to ship those out first. Kind of, You know how Tesla usually ships out their more expensive cars first? Yep. It's not something like that. They're not getting anything extra and saying like, would you like to 
pay this extra money to get yeah. the ones coming out first. Um, so I think this is probably something, I mean, Rivian's not dumb. They knew this would be pretty rough. Like, you know that looks bad yeah. and not honoring the previous price looks pretty bad, which leads me to believe they probably felt like they really had to do I'm it. I'm sure. Which is probably a combination of, you know, pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic prices in general have gone up over time. So here's time. one thing to note real quick while you're saying that. Mm -hmm. Quinn in his tweet thread, which I want to link in the show notes because it's like 20 tweets long, but it's really, really interesting because um, he loved the car. He went to the press event out in Colorado with everybody. Um, he made a reservation instantly. He came on the podcast, talked about it and how much he liked it. Um, he tweeted, one of his tweets in the thread was, Rivian told me five months ago when I asked them about supply chain issues that COVID made it tricky, but they're confident they could ship the cars at the prices expected. Stuff hasn't changed that much in the last five months. Certainly not 20%. They lied to customers, investors, and myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The last part is his words, not mine, by the way. Yeah. I mean, a company that thinks they're immune to supply chain issues is usually wrong. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're it's in the tough. process of building hype, um, like yeah. you're building hype based on a certain price and now... And also, how can you be immune to supply chain issues if you're not already shipping the thing? Yep. Like you're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to ship this truck in like a year and a half. It's not ready. It's not done. We're still on in the process of putting things together. But we know we're going to be set. How? You would never know that far ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, projecting confidence is great for a public company, but now it's kind of backfiring. It's backfiring real hard because yeah. I believe all of those people. I'm not sure about Zach, um, but Quinn and John both said they canceled their orders. And I saw multiple other tweets about it. Obviously, we're in a pretty niche tech sphere where a lot of people, you know, ordered them potentially even to make videos on them. So I don't know how yeah. many people in the grand scheme. When we went back and talked about that, uh, the like Mercedes markups that John had also like people well, are going crazy. That was crazy. But we know people are going to buy that. So I'm sure there are plenty of people who will still pay this price. Uh, yeah. But it's just like a bad look from a new company trying to get their boots on the ground and like immediately kind of hurting and hitting their loyal customer yeah. loyal customer base of a truck that if you want if you want to establish a good reputation exactly. not a great first step now i think you're right rivian's probably done the math and realized that people will cancel those orders and mm -hmm. other people will fill in and take those reservations at the higher price no problem yeah. it's going to happen they're still going to sell a lot of these trucks because it's a good product and that's where a lot of the leverage comes in if this was like a Meh, I think I'm kind of interested. I put down the 75 grand and now it's 10,000 more. It's not worth it anymore. I think the leverage from it being a good product is what's so painful about this. But that's why it hurts me so bad. I yeah. think this truck is awesome. It's not in the cards for me to get, but even seeing that happen makes me really sad because this, that truck's, I still think is the coolest EV I've gotten yeah. to like drive in so far. All right, quick update. We're, to, we're interjecting this clip mm -hmm. right after we recorded. There's since been an update about that Rivian story. Yep. So we just want to interject the correct information since we've recorded this has happened. Actually, this comes from John Rettinger, who's tweeted some screenshots from an email from Rivian since he is one of the people who canceled his pre-order. Rivian has actually decided to go back on two of the things that they changed. Number one, they are going to honor all previous orders before the price hike at their original prices. Yeah. And number two, they've decided that if anyone did cancel their order, they are willing to reinstate that order and at the original price. Yeah, at the price they pre-ordered at. Yep. This makes me think a 
ton of people canceled their orders. I can only imagine, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, you know, actually, I'll, we'll link this tweet in the show notes, but John uh, sent out a screenshot from an email from Rivian. They talked about things like supply chain management and how prices have gone up and they needed to manage these things, uh, but also didn't realize people thought the prices were locked and there's miscommunication there. So, yeah, they're willing... They've done the math on probably how many people pre-ordered yeah. and thought we'd rather have those people's money, even if it's at the lower price. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and I give you have to give them credit for doing this. Yeah, I guess we do. Yeah, you some credit sure. at least. Yeah, but it's uh, I'd be interested to see how many people bring their order back based on that price. Um, but obviously, I'm sure the numbers got hit pretty hard. And as a company that recently went public. You don't want to drop numbers like that. Yeah. I, you know, John, I tweeted at John saying that makes it sound like a lot of people canceled. He tweeted back at me. I don't know where he got this, but he said rumor was over half of the pre-orders canceled. A, a public company would never tell anyone that. No, yeah. But if that's anywhere near the truth, yeah, this is that's the right rough. If that's right true. Move. Yeah. So that's just an update on that story. Now back to the conversation. Do you want to talk about another EV that might not ship? Oh yeah, that's a great segue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were uh, we came into the studio today, and somebody had put in the Slack a link to a Polestar blog post. They yeah. just posted a, on this Polestar O2 concept car. Yeah, and I, just from the the preview and the thumbnail, I was like, "Ooh, that was kind of nice." I clicked it. I was like, "This thing is sick." It, I hate seeing concept cars that I know for a fact will never ship that look super good. Yeah. Like you remember the Sony car at CES like two or three years ago, however long it was. I've given up on trying to remember the Sony cars at CES. Not that it was the coolest car ever, but it was like it had some cool ideas and it was a, a silver matte finish. It looked kind of kind of nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was a Sony car sitting in a booth at CES and at that moment I knew this car would never exist. Yeah. Now Polestar is talking about, you know, this is a concept car, so we're using this design inspiration and blah, blah, blah. There's lots of reasons why concept cars exist. But then they do these promo videos of the car driving around looking cool. Yeah. It's a render, so mm -hmm. it's just sort of promo for Polestar. Um, but, I, you know, we were watching the videos, and I think we were – I like I like the look of the I think it looks aesthetic good. a let's, lot. Let's try to describe it a little bit here. Um, I yeah. thought it looked like a really, really modern, aggressive, sharp, like, Nissan 350Z, like, coupe, roadster. From the future. Kind, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, kind of hatchback on, on the back where it has that, like, you know, big lump on the back and then straight down to a super sharp, almost, like, shark nose front yeah. end. And it's like if the 350Z and the Cybertruck – had a coupe baby. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And looked way cooler than the Cybertruck. Way cooler lights. I'm a fan. The, it has the very, very like typical Polestar back single bar brake light that looks incredible. Back it's very, there. very angular. Yeah, um, convertible yeah. as well, mm -hmm. um, which is like, of course, in the renders had this really crazy way it like folded back that we all know will, yeah. physics means that that won't be able to happen like that. But um, yeah, it looked awesome, except for the aero wheels. Yeah, I How? think that's the thing about EVs. This is a, from a video we scrapped, but every electric car needs to have good aerodynamics, mm -hmm. but also wants to look good. Yep. And so one of the things we've seen is like, all right, if you put the aero caps on a Tesla Model 3, it gets like 10, 7, 8, 9% longer range, but it looks way worse. Yeah. Do you want to do that? So Tesla solution is, yeah, you can just pop off this plastic piece. Mm -hmm. It'll look cooler. You'll get less range. But if you want more range, yeah, embrace the ugly arrow wheel. 
Uh, a lot of other manufacturers are just shipping the car with an aero type cap, basically closing up the spokes yeah. on the wheel. Uh, the Taycan Cross Turismo the, testing right now has a bunch of black plastic over a lot yeah, of the wheel. Yeah, I think the Taycan is my favorite aero wheel so far just because it kind of create makes it look like a normal rim and kind of when it gets dirty, you can obviously tell yeah. there's a lot of space taken up. In I the would middle. say this being your favorite is also the least efficient aero rim. Exactly. So, yeah. so Polestar was trying to do an aero wheel of the future and it's it kind of looks like just a big plus sign the way they did yeah, their cutout. It's, it's like the PlayStation X button. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It looks terrible, but it's a concept. Just, I think in black it would look fine. I think it would look okay in black. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It looks bad. But anyways, to the fun part of the video. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're watching the video in the studio mm -hmm. and then we see, you know, these, it's kind of like it's driving through this rendered Mojave desert looking yep. type thing. But then a drone flies over the back and we see a shot of like, oh, wow, they're in the future. They're even like rendering in a yeah. drone to like fly over the car. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like extra effort put in so people would wonder more if it's a render or real life because- yeah. Why in a render would you put a drone flying over the back? Like, yeah. oh, we accidentally got the drone in the shot from a different from shot. From a real car. Yeah. 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 Then we scroll down on the page. And at the bottom of the page, they detail that this car has a drone built into it. Yeah. And it's specifically built in to take off from the back of the car, get cool shots of the car as you're yeah. driving, and then land back on the car. It even has like, it showed an, uh, like a... Uh, uh, top down of the car and it has this like line straight down the middle of the, yeah. the rear trunk. They made a whole video about this. Yeah, and I was like, oh, is that just like a interesting design choice? I think it might have had the Polestar logo up there. And then yeah, the that's the track for the drone to like pop out of this little like corridor and like slide down the track and then take off behind it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought that was like somebody in a boardroom was like, yeah, all these car videos, we always have like drone shots. What if it was built into the car? Oh yeah, concept car of the future should definitely have a drone yeah. built in. And then they went over the top and they like made this track down the middle of the back of the car. And there's a software UI on the screen of the mm -hmm. car, which lets you, I guess, sort of just position the drone in relative space around the car mm -hmm. on the screen. And it just gets there and gets the POV shot of the car. So yeah, if assuming, you're driving around, you can just get shots while you're driving like easily. Target tracking, because we all know that every drone out there can keep up with an electric roadster. Well, um, that was that was my that was the funny part uh, to me is I think the drone is less realistic than the car. It's far less realistic. It yeah. almost when you so you mentioned before how concept cars like we'll never see the light of the day. I think you mentioned when we were watching it that you're so mad you'll never get to actually see this car. Yeah, but I'm only mad that I'll never see the Polestar because they won't make that car. Not that they can't. Yeah. I think they physically could make a car that looks like that, mm -hmm. that is electric. It's an adjustment of the current Polestar, whatever. Um, but it just wouldn't sell very much because it's a doesn't have great rear visibility, not a lot of space. Not everybody wants an expensive four-door coupe with a convertible. It's like, oh, they wouldn't make it, but they could or if they wanted coupe. to. Just yeah. checking. And then this drone is like, okay, theoretically, we have a drone that can pop out of the back of a car, yeah. take off from the back of the car, fly around remote controlled by a system in the car, keep up with a car, have a long enough battery life to stay with the car, and then find the car again and land on it and I guess charge from the car's battery. That doesn't exist. No, I don't, <laughs> that, that won't will exist. never exist. That will not happen. Yeah, this went from me thinking like, 
I'm hoping they eventually do something that looks like this card, like that looks similar. I do think there's there will eventually. I agree with you. There's not really that market of like people wanting EV roadster coupes like that right now because it seems like a lot of those people are super car enthusiasts and they want to see EV take a few steps forward before they're making that leap. Um, mm-hmm. We see Tesla coming out with it, but that we all know that still isn't quite out yet. Um, but the drone to me just made it feel like I had a little hope that maybe it would like come eventually and, it just solidified and that just was concept like they don't, this is yeah they don't care vapor or, baby I mean, it's, yeah. it's great vapor great video great looking car i i so hope something like that comes out in the future cuz yeah. it looks really good it's kind of funny we see all these like car of the future designs and they all kind of have this like angular look but that's not really any real car shipping it i'll say the kia ev6 right it's great it's got some angles it's, it's got some literally angles. the it's the angled version of the Ionic Five, right? I, I think I that's the, the most futuristic looking. It's like street si- car Cybertruck uh, Rivian, yeah. Angle versus like flat cheery, like Wally versus like killer yellow jacket robot. <laughs> but I like I'm I'm I want to see more of these like angular sharp, angular. sharp I, things. Yeah, I agree. I, cool. I like angles. I like. I love the new headlights that they're doing and stuff like that that fit with the angles really well. And just yeah. uh, and then when you add all that without needing a grill, I think it all comes out exactly. really, really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready for that future of sharp, angular cars with drones that fly out the back mm-hmm. someday. Easy. Eventually. Probably in the next two years. <laughs> for sure. After all this right. ad break, probably. Probably, yeah. Well, place your bets. Which will ship first, the uh, the Cybertruck or the drone that takes off in the back of the car and lands on it? Or the Faraday future. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. 
Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, welcome back. Uh, for this next segment, I'm going to turn all of our cameras vertical because this podcast from today forward will now be on TikTok. Yeah. This is a TikTok podcast. Welcome to the Waveform TikTok. Mm -hmm. And that's just- In like I've, 10 parts though. I've buried the lead pretty hard. Yeah. The headline is TikTok extends max video length to over 10 minutes. I think just 10 minutes. Is it over 10? Oh, is it just 10? I think it's just 10. Oh, so Up we can't do the 10. whole podcast then. No, no, but like- like how all those people who rip content on TikTok, you just have to put part one on the bottom. So right. really easy, easy, just a little swipe up and then. Uh, That's funny because that was like a part of TikTok culture, the part one, part two thing, you know? Yeah. Like what, like it, you get to 60 seconds, you'd be like, hey, quick, follow me for part two. That's like a part of TikTok. Yeah, and then the next 15 seconds of the next video is like recapping it. So yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. brutal. I hate every second of it. So RIP YouTube, it's over. 10-minute yeah. videos on TikTok, that's all we needed. I don't see how YouTube can recover, to be <laughs> honest. Um, They'll never survive. But yeah, so TikTok comes out and announced that it already has increased the limit to three minutes before. Yep. I think we were kind of critical on that, but it was not too bad. Three minutes is still extremely short content. Yeah. If you're watching a video that's three minutes on YouTube, it's probably like a really fast skit or something like that. You don't see a lot. I think our average, our average is probably like 12 minutes. I'd say average oh. YouTube videos like, Eight to 15. Well, in this niche of, I call it a niche, but in this niche of professional creators looking to optimize in yeah. some way for the algorithm, you're going to see a lot of long videos. Yeah. I wonder about the rest of YouTube. I think there's a lot of shorter yeah. videos. Sometimes you know I'm who, still stuck into when I first joined and we were making like eight minute videos consistently. Well, we, I, it's funny. Our, a lot of older videos on this channel, I made a lot of really solid five to seven minute videos. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, an eight minute video was pretty long. Yeah. And then a 10 minute video was long. And sometimes you'd get accused because this is when you could only add mid rolls to 10 minute plus videos because they added this feature where you could place mid rolls. We still get accused for that. Yeah, that's because people have no idea what the yeah. rules are. But you you get accused of like stretching a video out like this video is unnecessarily long. It's 10 minutes and 12 seconds because yeah. what you wanted to add a mid roll, um, which we never did that on purpose. No. But that was a long video back yeah, then. Yeah. Now, I mean, I've said this before, but we play this like guessing game as a video gets mm -hmm. edited. Like how long we think this one's going to be. A nine minute video is pretty short. It's very short. It's yeah. pretty short. So yeah, in, in terms of creators who adapt to the algorithm and the environment that YouTube is, I long think, videos. I think since YouTube's getting bigger and becoming more of the norm for, for people to watch, attention spans are growing also. This is more, YouTube's more of the, at the point where you can go home, sit on your couch and turn on your smart TV rather than just being on break at work and watching an eight minute video. So or that's on one your thing. Phone. I think that's also a different level of commitment to watching something and like how much free time you have. Cause a lot of times if yeah. I have uh, five, 10 minutes, I'm not gonna watch a five minute video. I'm gonna open up TikTok and watch a hundred videos <laughs> because that's all I, and I don't have to commit to anything. Like mm -hmm. I, I get to the end and I'm like, eh, I'm bored now and I put it away. Yeah. And that's where TikTok excels. So it's fascinating seeing 
a, you know, if you land on TikTok, I've seen some TikToks yeah. where like they really go on for a while. Like, mm -hmm. how long is this video? And I check the scroll bar and I'm like, this is a minute and a half. Yeah. This is a long video on mm -hmm. TikTok. What are you going to do when you get to a 10 minute TikTok? Swipe very fast. Swipe, yeah. Yeah. I hope there's like a, I know there won't be, but I wish there was something that said that it was a long video, like a little icon that showed it was longer because- Just a scroll bar. Yeah, like you said, my TikTok habits are very like, I just want to scroll through things. Maybe I'm like about to get off the couch and go to bed, but I don't feel like it. Or I'm laying in bed and about to go to sleep and I'm just rifling through a bunch. I always play this mm -hmm. game where it's like one more good one, one more yeah, good yep, one, the and then thing. I'll go to bed. Yeah. Um, but throwing 10 minute videos in there seems insane to me. Yeah. If a normal TikTok is, let's say, 30 seconds long. Yeah. Sitting on, you know, if you open up TikTok, you're already in this mental space of short, 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 and your 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 attention span mm -hmm. is ready for something twelve seconds long to give you that instant gratification. I don't know that a ten minute video can blow up. I might be proven wrong, but I don't know that a ten minute video on TikTok in its current state will have quite the same traction ability as a twenty second video. I agree with that. I feel like the only space I can really see it being beneficial in is like if it is a 10 minute video that lives on a user's page but doesn't necessarily hit the for you page. Whereas like somebody makes something that's super viral or posts a video of maybe an incident that happened that's really viral. And then you want to know more about what happened in that. And then you go to their page and it's like, here's a 10 minute video up to 10 minutes that can describe it because then you don't have to describe it in one minute or less or whatever. Yeah. Um, but flipping through the For You page, if I went from like a 10 second video to a 10 minute video and it just kept jostling all it's over there, I feel difference. like it's changing the entire atmosphere of how I use that app and how probably most people use that app. Also, um, you know, from a creative perspective, I think a lot of the craft of social media is creating for the platform mm -hmm. and specifically like having to sculpt and shave things to fit like how many times have i made a tweet that's 190 characters and i'm like all right i need to find 60 characters. i need to find a bunch of words i can cut out now of this tweet to two, make it well now yeah 240 sorry, just now before someone yeah tells it used you to be wrong. it yeah. used to only be 160 or whatever yeah um how many times have vine creators probably had a seven second video that they're like, how can I take one second out of this edit so it can fit on Vine, mm -hmm. right? And for TikTok, it's been, you know, it was 60 seconds. For shorts, it currently is still 60 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like part of that craft for making a short for me as a creator is, all right, we shot this whole thing. We had this great idea. We explained it. We showed it. We demoed it, tied it up in a bow, and it's a minute and six seconds long all right, how are we going to cut six yeah. seconds out of this video? So, yeah, I I don't know that TikTok adding 10-minute videos, you know, waters it down in any way. I think it just, it yeah. removes the restriction of, like, what we were doing to fit things into TikTok, which is still, like, it has to be vertical. I guess that's one thing. Yeah, it's, well, because IGTV did so great previously. Well, vertical I, yeah. video, thing of the future. IGTV did not float. It sank. No, it sank hard, yeah. like a rock. Um, do you think there's any? Re do you think there's anything behind adding ten minutes to like TikTokers getting very famous and big, and then wanting to make longer form content, so going to YouTube? So this is possibly to get less people leaving the platform. No, that's. I don't think that's why they left for YouTube, though. 
I think they left for monetization. I think that stability. is another thing as well. Um, but yeah. but doing TikTok content on YouTube just for monetization, you have to change your whole thing because it, making a minute long video on on YouTube is not the way to go. Well, that's what a lot of yeah, that's what a lot of short form creators figure out is mm -hmm. that when you want to migrate to YouTube, you kind of have to en engage and do things for longer than ten seconds. So they're so used to being incredibly short form and really engaging and pop right off the bat and making something in 30 seconds that it's a new challenge and a new skill to yeah. extend and and build something out for a couple minutes long. Kind of the opposite of what I was saying earlier. Like I'm a YouTuber makes 10 minute videos. Yeah. How am I gonna make a short? Oh God, I gotta trim something out. Yeah. They're thinking the other way around. All right, I'm used to making things real short and now I have to, I wanna make YouTube videos and people's attention spans on YouTube and, and rewarding watch time mean I have to stretch things out to reach like five minutes, yeah, which is a whole challenge. Hard. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's harder, shortening a 10 minute thing to one minute or extending that, a one minute thing to 10 minutes. It's like when you have to reach the character count on your essay and you just yeah. start writing the same thing over and over. You just increase <laughs> the size of all the periods to 14 yeah. font instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Do you think there will be mid rolls in TikTok oh god i said that as a joke i don't think they can do i that. don't think they can either i don't think you see a mid-roll and a TikTok and don't swipe yeah or get furious <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. really interested to see metrics of how these work i am not looking forward to having to swipe through them in my for you page for yeah. sure it just doesn't feel like the thing for me TikToks analytics aren't that great and so on YouTube, I, I can tell how far people watch into a video, mm -hmm. like a three minute video or whatever, 10 minute video. I can see actually a chart of when people leave and how what percent are still watching by every minute. TikTok doesn't show that. I bet they know. I'm sure that's how they, they know. They that's how they surface know. videos. Yeah. But if you're uh, if you're out here trying to make like 10 minute TikToks now, your only metric for success is like, did people actually watch it? and not skip it? Did it actually yeah. accumulate views and get shared? And I guess not? we don't know the metric of how many seconds into a video is a v considered a view. On TikTok? Yeah. I don't know, no idea. Uh, do you think YouTube's gonna copy this for shorts? Because like, YouTube- I think that would be so funny. I, ho <laughs> I hope they don't. They're already stricter with the I 60 hope they second. Don't. Yeah. I hope they don't. It would make no sense. Yeah, if you wanna make a 10 minute YouTube video, then just make a 10 minute YouTube video. If you wanna make a 10 minute <laughs> yeah. vertical YouTube video, you can already do that. Yeah. It's not a short, it's a long, it's a, <laughs> it's long, a long video. Um, That's a good point. It would literally ruin the name of shorts. Yeah, the whole point, long. the whole point of shorts is we already have 10 minute videos. Here's yeah. a place for the short ones. I think they can't um, possibly copy and it. It would also be funny if Instagram copied it with reels because then they're just recreating IGTV again. Wh which would make would, sense. It would have better discoverability than reels, IGTV did because that was a mess. Yeah, reels would actually, I could see them 10 minutes is a long time, but I could, I could but they need a scroll bar. Because you yeah. can't Do scroll they, oh, they Instagram. One? You can't scrub through Instagram videos. I would like a better one on TikTok also. I think it's a pain in the neck. And I didn't know it existed until like a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's pretty decent. I mean, it's just a little preview thing, right? Yeah, but like sometimes it doesn't show up, I feel like. I and think then... short videos, it doesn't show up. Okay. I think it has to be over a certain length, maybe 30 seconds, then it shows uh, up. Yeah, I have no idea. Instagram, exactly you have to. You used to have to be on a MacBook Pro with the Touch Bar, and you'd have the <laughs> the scrub show up on the Touch Bar. Best bring, feature of the Touch Bar by far. Bring back the Touch Bar. That's the only reason it was good. 
Uh, so on a, on a Mac, you could you could have a on a on a I guess on a browser, on mm-hmm. a browser right now it plays like a QuickTime video, but on your phone, if I get to a ten minute Instagram reel, and I can't scroll through it, I'm skipping. Yeah, I'm skipping. Easy. So they got to adjust that. Uh, speaking of Instagram, though, wow, wow, Marquez, that was great. Good job. Speaking of Instagram, I tweeted what was it two three days ago that yeah. this is just another random shower thought tweet. That turns into a conversation. Yep. The year is 2022, and there is no iPad Instagram app. If you open the Instagram app on an iPad, it looks hilarious. It's just a scaled iPhone app, and you hit the 2X button, and it blows up an iPhone (laughs) on an iPad, which is like, I don't know. There's a lot of pretty good iPad apps. Instagram doesn't make one. A couple hours after that, Adam Masseri, love him. Uh, actually answered my tweet, tweeted back at me, said, yep, we get this one a lot, which, Adam, I know. I'm sure he's tired of answering this all the time. But he actually sort of explained a little bit. He said, it's just not a big enough group of people to be a priority, hoping to get it at some point, but right now we're very heads down on other things. And I was kind of curious about that, so I replied. I mean, I'm not... I'm not an executive at a tech company no, for a reason. No, we obviously, like, he knows Instagram better than us. I yeah. think it's safe to say that. I, w- I would say he's the most qualified person to answer this. Yeah. But I sort of poked back, like, well, if you made a great Instagram app for iPad, mm-hmm. wouldn't a lot of people start using it? Like, nobody uses it now because yeah. it's terrible. Uh-huh. It's awful. <laughs> so yeah. if you made one, they will come. Um, his response was was really interesting. So... Number one, each Surface adds overhead. We support iOS, Android, the web, and IG Lite, and Android is the largest of those. All true. Yeah, but you're also Facebook, so I don't have We'll a get lot. to that. Okay, we'll sorry. get to that. Yeah. So two, Jumping he says, head. TikTok and YouTube are behemoths. People share more in messages than they do to stories or feeds, so we need to adapt. People share more in messages than they do to stories. I think what feed. he's saying is that like people are using the private messaging tool in Instagram rather than the sharing posting. tool, but they don't make any money off of private messaging. Like mm-hmm. he wants to get more people sharing things. Got so it. I guess that's what they're working on rather than that's how I took that at least. Mm-hmm. And three, we are leaner than you think. So <laughs> yeah, I get it. So first of all, yes, they make an Android version. I don't think there's a well-optimized Android tablet Instagram app either. Not asking for one, just saying yeah. there isn't one. And on the web, yeah, Instagram works fine. You can now upload from the web now, which is really cool. Those surfaces gain more and more features every day. But I don't understand. I still don't understand not adding. Like, I thought it would... I think it would be pretty easy to make a decent Instagram iPad app. I think that's a fair thought. And I know that we are not developers. Not a full, developer. dis- full disclosure, if you haven't heard the dumb stuff we've talked about <laughs> developing apps before. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine, compared to the other things that they're making, they made IGTV. That was its own app. Uh, it was, was. That, did that have an iPad app actually? Not a specific app. Uh, it had a separate app. Would have yeah, made no. way more sense an iPad as content, a way to consume content rather than a way mm-hmm. to like. So, so the number two here sticks out to me a lot because they're specifically saying they want more people sharing things and consuming content rather than just direct messages. Whereas a phone seems like the immediate space I would go to if I were messaging somebody, and mm-hmm. an iPad. To me, when I'm on that, I'm only there to consume content. 
I think that's that's good perspective. I think a lot of fellow creators were looking at like, I like using the iPad as my only computer. Mm-hmm. And if I could have a full-fledged Instagram experience on the iPad, that would make it a dramatically more useful computer to yeah. me. Because right now the Instagram, like I said, the Instagram iPad app is just the iPhone app blown up and pixelated. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think his number three point sticks out to me the most. We're leaner than you think. Because, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. We know this. They're separately organized and managed, of course. But I don't think Facebook. The money's there. The money, exactly. If I was Facebook, if I was was running Instagram, I said, hey, can we grab a a quick billion and like a couple developers because we're going to make an Instagram app? I don't think Facebook would go, no, we don't want that. Here's the thing, though. A lot of people were tweeting at me. Um, the iPad also doesn't have a calendar. Or, a, sorry, it, it does have a calendar. It also doesn't a have calculator. a calculator. And I asked Apple about this. So I was like, yeah. hey, Craig, why is there no... I don't think he was expecting me to answer this. <laughs> but I said, why is there no uh, calculator app on the iPad? You know, there's some things that we we have not done because we to do it, we would want to do something really distinctly great in that space. And uh, I think it's obviously easy to create a calculator app, uh, yeah. but creating one that feels like, wow, this is, this, is, this is the greatest iPad calculator app that it felt like. I think uh-huh. we, 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 we want to do it when we can do it really, really well. And, and we, we honestly have just uh, uh, haven't gotten around to doing it great. So uh, that, that, day, that day may come, but. Uh, and to me, you know, they are saying like, we haven't quite, thought of or made the best one yet so we just haven't made one and in my head i went you're apple yeah you have it's a calculator infinite resources to make a solid calculator app and you haven't done it i yeah i don't like that is apple leaner than we think i don't know i think they just don't want to make a calculator app they just i mean they could obviously spin one up if they wanted to but they have such high standards that for some reason none of their possible versions calculators just aren't cool enough calculators aren't aren't cutting it and i you know i kind of see this this answer from adam along the same lines like okay we're leaner than you think fine but if you wanted to make a solid Instagram app, I think you could. I think they could. I think they could make a two-column, like, creator-focused, you know, tab on one hand, and then obviously a big full-screen high-resolution feed on the other. I think you could see full-screen vertical videos, and it would be no problem. I think they could build an Instagram app, no problem. But I think it wouldn't be amazing. And they want it to be amazing, and so they just didn't do it at all. Now they're doing other things. I think you're giving them a lot of credit. I'm trying to. No, I, I'm, I I'm like devil's advocate. Yeah, like, yeah. I just want them to just make it, obviously. But I just think there's so many people whose livelihoods are based on social media posting. I mean, we Instagram is one of those things where if you're an influencer on there, you can build an entire job out of that, right? Like posting and everything to it. And having to do all of that like through your phone, you still can't upload photos on desktop, right? No, you can. You can. You can now. They finally, yeah. okay. But, but like, like analytics aren't that great and like scrolling through shorts or reels yeah. isn't that great. You're just sort of in your feed. And like imagine all the people who are traveling. There are so many traveling Instagram inf- influencers that would much rather carry an iPad that they could do the majority of their work on rather than just a small phone. It, yeah. I know that still and that's that is going towards what he says that like the group isn't large enough for this. But I do think there's a lot of people who consume media as well on top of that. And it just seems 
like a win-win for both parties that are using Instagram. Yeah. As far as surfaces that add overhead, Android being the biggest one, totally get that. And they yeah. have to optimize all kinds of different versions for different resolutions and Android phones. And that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then every feature that they add to Instagram, they also have to optimize for every version for all these different Android versions. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. But the iPad is the most popular tablet in the world. And it's only one version. You make one iPad app and it works with all of the iPads. I think that would be easier. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be sure. easier than the Instagram, than the Android challenge. Uh, I don't know. Adam, come on the podcast, man. I think here's your formal invitation. I, th I think you'd come on the podcast. I think you would come fun. on. Yeah, yeah. Just to talk, obviously, I don't want to grill you on the one question you've answered a thousand yeah, times. If which we is... sound really nice, <laughs> we definitely are. We actually are, but. Yeah, no, I think I think that would be fun because there's all kinds of creator questions. He's actually, by the way, he's one of the most transparent. He's, um, I have to give him a lot of credit for that. For yeah, sure. executives of any social media platform. I've talked to a couple of them. I've mm -hmm. I talked to Mark Zuckerberg in a video. I've talked to a bunch of social media people, you know, the Satya Nadellas of the world even, uh, Sundar Pichai at Google. Mm -hmm. uh, Adam on Twitter, ironically, all the time, posts new updates about things that they're working on, that they are planning on adding, and that they are prioritizing at Instagram. If you're a creator and you don't follow Adam on Twitter, you're missing out on yeah. a lot of good information about how they look at Instagram and how they run things and how they actually think about things. So I'm, of course, poking him on like the one thing that I, I can't believe yeah, they haven't sure. done I yet. But there's a lot of good stuff. I, I appreciate the transparency, and it's not easy to be transparent on social media where then a bunch of people like us can... Because, like, he answered you. There were, like, 40 articles out that day about how iPad's never getting an Instagram app. So, like, yeah. just a quick little response like that, and then it just kind of blows up in your face, kind of. So, um, sorry if that ruined your day. No, I um, think it's I think it's it's useful information. Yeah. Useful information. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, what else? Are we, we're going to talk about, oh, there's another, <laughs> we have one more thing that they, they announced <laughs> on Instagram, which is just like, oh, what are, what are Instagram's priorities? And then they added 3D avatars to stories and DMs. Which yeah, is like, because it's a key building block for the future of personal identity in the metaverse. So, you uh, know, as us, listen, we know Facebook is now meta or whatever. I refuse to call it that. And the metaverse is a priority over there. But it stings so much more not really caring about the Why don't metaverse. You take those and developers <laughs> and make an iPad app with them. Anyway. Also, real quick, Adam here posted our Adam, mm. the better Adam, posted that there are 450 employees at Instagram. That is a very small number. That is leaner than I thought. You are right. As of 2017. As of 2017. Yeah. Okay. But still, you are correct. Other Adam, that is leaner than I thought. Yeah. But I still think. They could make an Instagram app. I think they could hire a hundred more with a couple extra dollars and make an Instagram app. That's what I'll I'll leave it at that. Let's take a quick break and talk games. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. 
So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on. All right. Welcome back. I finished my app. It's done? Yeah. Is it on the app store? No, it got denied. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no app. Sorry. But we do have a Steam Deck here. <laughs> there you go. So I wanted to ask you about this. Resident yeah. Gamer, you've probably put the most gaming hours. Actually, I don't know. Out of David anyone here? does play a lot, but I'm also older than him, yeah. so I win. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask you about the Steam Deck. Okay. So just for those who haven't seen, because I've actually gotten a lot of questions from people who see this and are like, what is it and should I get it? Yeah. Picture a Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. one and a half times the size, all black, Tons of extra custom controls, quad panel pads on the back, like touch yeah. pads on the front, ABXY buttons. It's made by Valve. It's got a full-on OS and it runs Steam and can play games in your Steam library. That is a Steam Deck. Yeah, it's not pretty cool. to like Joy-Cons, but like this is right. strictly handheld. This is, uh, I shouldn't say that. You can hook this up you can. with a deck that is not out yet. You I can, believe. right. And then yeah, you could play with like a mouse and keyboard if you really wanted to. Yeah. But this is a portable gaming console. Yeah. So this is like really trying to actually hit. We all know the Switch and Nintendo is genius. I love it. But Nintendo games are generally a little like lower key. Graphics aren't as intense. It's more like fun party stuff, games like that, Mario Kart, Mario Party, you know. Bright and colorful. Exactly, yeah. Um, This is trying to bring like actual PC games handheld, Mm -hmm. which is obviously much, much, much harder. It's a challenge. So how do you feel about the concept in general of like, there's some games in your Steam library. Do you ever desire to play those games away from your mouse and keyboard at all? So right now... I'm I'm a person who plays one game pretty much at a time, and Same. I get really into that. Mm-hmm. Right now, that game is not on Steam, and it's a game that is very. It's called Valorant. It's a tactical shooter. It's like very intense with precision of your mouse, so it would be impossible to play on a controller. Mm. So I not really, but there are games out there. 
Rocket League is the main thing I think of when I think Steam Deck yep. because Rocket League works amazing on a controller, best on a controller. All the pros are playing on a controller yep. and this would work so well for that. And that is on Steam and I've downloaded it and it's awesome. It's been my best Steam Deck experience for sure. For sure. Yes. And that's a very interesting point you put up because there are a lot of reviews out. We have not gotten a lot of time to play with this yet. This is mm-hmm. kind of like a first impressions to us. Um, I We both set it up. The setup process was... A little tricky. I think it was mostly our internet that was kind of being a problem. Yeah. In in the setup process, I was having some issues with the touchscreen. I don't think they were too crazy. Um, typing every once in a while didn't feel great. Um, mm-hmm. The the overall build quality of this, I think, is solid. It's light, and I think I would, I like that it's light versus if it was like super solid feeling because if you're gonna hold this in yeah. your hands, it's gonna get tiring. Right. Um, I don't like these D pads at all. They're kind of just big squares under the analog sticks. Oh, the touchpads. The joysticks. Yeah. Are they touchpads? They're They both. click. They click, but you can also use them as uh, okay. moving a mouse and cursor around. I've, it, I guess that's in games because in the regular uh, Steam library, they do not do that. They do right. work as D-pads, but the click on them feels terrible. Yeah. Um, so but, I think this is the biggest challenge for the Steam Deck, which is what you said at the beginning, which is the games you play. Yeah. If you play a bunch of games that work best with a mouse and keyboard, your challenge is going to be translating that mouse and keyboard control experience to some of the buttons and surfaces on the Steam Deck. And if you can do that, which you do have lots of custom controls and you can map things and sort of get a similar experience, it won't be as precise probably, but you can do stuff with the mapping, then you can play that mouse and keyboard game on the Steam Deck. Yeah. But it will never be as good as the mouse and keyboard. No, and I guess if you're mobile gaming, you're kind of okay with that a lot of the time. Right. Um, One thing I noticed a lot of reviewers saying, and since we had a Steam library and we've only tested some we've had, we haven't gone through that yet, but the curated list for Steam Deck specific games was not great. And I still think they added it and it's still not too good. Um. Which is a problem if you're buying the Steam Deck and you're not on a PC because the price on 400 bucks, right? Yeah, something like that. I think that's a crazy good price. Pretty good price. I think that's awesome. Um, There are going to be people who buy this that are using Steam for their first time because of this. And Mm -hmm. they're going to have a hard time downloading games or finding games that work correctly for it or work well on it or optimized for it. Okay, so this I think is the, the one other thing that's come up a lot about the Steam Deck. As I've been using it, it's been getting constant software updates like major software updates like not just bug fixes but like adding features and like the ability to to play certain games and map certain things they've been basically building the software of this thing in the background as we're using it and reviewing it Uh i think if you were to buy one right now today it would still feel pretty early and there's a lot of games that aren't really well optimized there's not a lot of games that are as good as rocket league on this thing and I think if you were to wait like six months and get a feel for the landscape and see how things pan out, you can get a better idea if the games you want to play will work well on this. I yeah. mean, they'll work, but will they work well is the question. Yeah, and it, they do have something which I'm sure they'll build into their search eventually where if you're in your existing Steam Deck or your existing Steam library mm-hmm. and you install a game, it'll kind of bring up this pop-up of like what works well with Steam Deck, what doesn't work well with Steam Deck, or just what's completely just not compatible doesn't work at all at all um yeah and 
I found that being really interesting with some things. Rocket League, which is like green checks down the whole thing. Yep. CSGO, I'm trying to load it right now because I feel like this is going to be basically impossible to play. Um, it does work. I'm on here. It looks choppy and playing with a controller would be almost impossible. But then I was looking at a game like Fall Guys, which I have on mm -hmm. Steam. Feels perfect for a Steam Deck. The issue arises is that a lot of these multiplayer games have anti-cheat third-party software yep. that isn't going to be compatible with this, and that is one of them. Um, so, so I heard. So that's. Can you explain that? So the there's games that are at a certain oh level God. of competitiveness. Yeah. Wait. Look. This is. Gyro. Yeah. Gyroscopic. That's solid control. That sounds crazy. Not Sorry, precise. I, just <laughs> in the middle of us talking, I loaded up CS:GO. And it's gyroscopic. Oh, interesting. Okay. So if I move the controller, that's actually an interesting way to try and do this. So left analog stick is walk. Right analog stick kind of snaps you about 90 degrees left, right. Yeah. Um, and then slightly moving the entire Steam Deck is what gives you the precision. It's a good thing it's lightweight. That's... I mean, you're never going to actually be able to play this, but it feels better than, and I just died, and the frame rate's terrible. Um, but yeah, CSGO tactical shooters are just not going to be something that's going to do that. But I think my, going back to what I was saying before, a game like Fall Guys, like I would kill to play. On that this. sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. But the anti-cheat so is what is So what is anti-cheat? Anti There's certain games that are, that are competitive enough where the developers have gone, mm, all right, we want to add anti-cheat into our game to prevent people from like hacking and exactly. getting super good. So they add that, and that anti-cheat software is only compatible with certain It's a third-party software that's running in the background after you launch the game to basically make sure you're not running any programs that are known for cheating. So Fall Guys specifically, there were ones where pretty much like you remember Fall Guys, you just like, it's a bunch of maps. It's basically a race to the end and a bunch mm -hmm. of different obstacles. People could just like jump in the air and fly over everybody. And there's <laughs> like a bunch of different cheats. It sounds really stupid for a game like Fall Guys because it doesn't feel that competitive, but it unfortunately was. It just keeps um, it fun for everyone when that's exactly. not happening everywhere. Yeah, but so but the problem with that is now that since people were cheating, they have to add this software which is not compatible. I believe if I go and try and do it on here, it just says that this game's anti-cheat is not configured to support Steam Deck and still lets me install. Mm -hmm. But I can just assume that it's not going to let me play after that. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of these games, anti-cheat software only works with like Windows or Linux and won't let you play if you're not using one of those OSs. So far, at least. I don't. I guess it will probably be up to the developers to be able to find some solution for that with Steam Deck if it's something that will be, um, that they think will do well on it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not totally sure how they're going to approach that fall guys probably not being the best example now because it's much less popular than it used to be yeah. um but yeah so that's i think there are games on here i think there's a lot of indie games side scrollers like stuff like that that people do really like cuphead um all sorts of games like that people will love to play i would love to play it on this because the screen looks great the controls besides the touchpads that i don't love all feel great triggers Lots of customizable buttons. Yeah. Um, you have noticed, and we need to test this more, 
the charging speeds have been pretty rough. Yeah, I want to charge. I want to try a couple of the chargers because I plugged in a 65 watt OnePlus charger just to the USB Type C port at the top, and it charged like 50% in in eight hours or something, which was obviously not that's working terrible, correctly. Yeah. So I, I need to see if that's just the charger. Should I use the first party one only? Should I update the software and will it fix itself? I don't know yet. Um, but to me, the most interesting part about the Steam Deck actually is who is it for? Because number one, it's I always find it a challenge to review things that I know that I'm specifically not in the target demographic yeah. for. And when I think of the Steam Deck, I think of someone who wouldn't also have a Nintendo Switch. So a Switch is someone who's like a casual gamer who's just, I mean, the, the Switch killed. It had great sales. Like people love that thing on planes. They love that yeah. like under their TV, uh, casual games all the time. I think of the Steam Deck as someone who specifically doesn't want the Switch, but does want to play some of those other so, games on the go. That's how I do think it could convert Switch users, because I think there are a lot of Switch users who play more intense games at home, but that mm. aren't available mobile. So the Switch, the Switch, they're just playing a different style of game. Not, not to say there aren't some competitive games on Switch or whatever, but in general, like I, I play Valorant, but when we go on a plane, I'm gonna bring my Switch and I'm just gonna play right. Mario Kart for like eight hours on the plane. If you had a Steam Deck. I'd rather play Rocket League. Okay, Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah. mean, that's online, but still, there are other games out there that I think I would rather play on this than I would on that. On and Switch. I do think there will be people converting. And then if I could bring this, set it up with a mouse and keyboard in my hotel room and mm -hmm. play Valorant, I know that couldn't be it, or CSGO or something like that, that sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, because then at that point, you don't also bring a gaming laptop. Yeah. You just bring the Steam Deck and maybe a couple extra little accessories. Yeah. Okay. 400 bucks is a killer price. That's too. true. Exactly. You're not going to get a gaming laptop for 400 no, bucks. No. So there you go. You're not going to get a Chromebook. For <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a sad fact. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to keep testing this thing out. I'm going to play a bunch of different games. Like I suggested in the YouTube short, tell me what games I should play specifically on it because I've played Rocket League. And I like it a lot. I'm going to try some other stuff. That's but, a good point. Yeah, working on the review. Game suggestions for sure. I know there's 10,000 like indie games out there on Steam that are still like fun stuff like Cuphead um, that we should play because get get out of the comfort zone a little bit to do this because yeah. this review is just going to be out of the comfort zone for yep. sure. Exactly. Awesome. I'll try it. Well, until then, make sure you're subscribed. To, of course, the Shorts channel, but also the main channel and also the Waveform channel and also this Waveform Chip Clips channel. And the studio And also channel. the studio channel. Yeah. Other than that, I don't have much else to say. It's been an interesting week. Thanks for listening to the Waveform podcast. EV. The EV podcast. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Vox Media and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.